coronavirus is the biggest threat this country has faced for decades. We're seeing the devastating impact of this invisible killer. There will come a moment when no health service in the world could possibly cope because there won't be enough ventilators, enough intensive care beds, enough doctors and nurses. That is the moment of real danger. The new variant is out of control and we need to bring it under control and this news about the new variant has been a, a, an incredibly difficult end to frankly an awful year and it's important for everybody to act, essentially act like they might have the virus and that's the way that we can control it together. The way ahead is hard and it is still true that many lives will sadly be lost. Our advisory group on new and emerging respiratory virus threats, NERVTAG, has spent the last few days analyzing this new variant. It may be up to 70% more transmissible than the old variant, the original version of the disease. You might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Assume you might be infectious, assume you might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Today, the United Kingdom's chief medical officers have advised that the country should move to alert level five, meaning that uh, if action is not taken, NHS capacity may be overwhelmed within 21 days. And it's going to spread further, and I, I must level with you, level with the, the British public, um, more families, uh, many more families, are going to lose loved ones before their time. Your colleague on stage, John Edmonds, has just sent me a statement saying that as far as he's concerned, this is the worst moment of the epidemic because of the extraordinary inf infectivity of this new strain. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, this is a horrible moment, for sure. I to say, I'm really sorry to hear about your two relatives who died from this virus. I mean, it is a very dangerous virus uh, for many people. We're looking to move to a different regime, so as we come to the fourth step, we will change the basic tools that we have used to control human behaviour.
first off. After reading that little line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. They are in a group they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. and moaning again come on do it there we go ah i thought i'd take a break reset everything camera would behave but no no ah what a what a start what a start to the new year hmm? earthquakes and uh well we, we even had planes colliding in midair where we are and uh, i'm just watching bombs go off in oh, what that was iran maybe um <laughs> just it just keeps racking up uh anyone thinking uh the uh emancipating of the eschaton was going to be slowing down anytime soon you must be uh you must be going to the bookies and changing those bets uh straight away straight away the odds the odds are against you i'm afraid and yeah what a how to, how to um how to top what's going on in in sort of current events and pull you back down to uh, something more meditative, how more scholastic, more um, academic, the, uh, the, the study of how uh, your, your body is being turned against you by prions. And um, it's beginning to leak out somewhat that um, prions are the game in town. And that's what we're gonna be uh, looking at as a new study that's come well it's it's not peer reviewed yet whatever that means these days but uh as i've been contending for ugh, since i've started doing this gig which is the prions and misfolded 
amyloids, etc., can encompass. In in my mind, I was sure. I was, I was convinced for, for a long time now that they they beyond the sort of canonical ones, the canonical peptides. There's they're going to find a whole bunch more, and they're going to find that they can emerge in probably a whole bunch of. Uh, organs, tissue systems, etc., etc. Because you have to explain how people essentially die, right? Why? Why do we age? Why does the? Why does our biology fail us? Why does the dots, um, L four, L five, um, cartilage between his discs not not behave? Not it doesn't. Um, it doesn't rectify itself. And why does it um, eventually? Grind you down, grind you down, so that you go back to dust. Now, you know, in in the metaphysical framework, we all have to uh, return back to dust, as it were. And you know, there's a reason why we have children. And God forbid anyone who would um, try to stop or pervert that process. But we uh, we are very much looking, um, probably, at something along those lines my chat and again it's stuck in obs nothing else nothing else works except the sticky box of uh, obs chat so um yeah we're gonna I, i'm just you know <laughs> shoot the shit a lot of people i want to say thank you to all the people that just reached out to me just said um how are you after the earthquake and uh, we felt it here but it was well, you know, what was the, how, how, I was not long finished streaming, actually, and I was, I was talking to show, and we were just sort of sitting, and I, I'd actually stood up for some reason, and the phones here in Japan have a uh, earthquake alert, and it's a very distinctive sound, and we got the alert. And he sort of looks at me and he's like, should we run outside? And I was like, mm, not yet. Just uh, just wait for it and we'll see. And I'm, I sort of just grab, uh, I don't know, like the, there's some very expensive equipment behind me that's high up and it's above him. Right? And so, and it would be heavy. And if it sort of started really um, bouncing, I didn't want that sort of, if it jumped off there, I could at least pull it away from him. And I was like, no, wait, wait for it, wait for it. Let's see what happens. And then the alert was going, I would say about 30 seconds, 30 seconds to a minute. And then, then you felt the building start to sort of rumble and shake. And, um, you know, it was a significant earthquake where we were. I mean, you know, if you, if you come from places where you're not used to them, that could spook you for sure and i don't know if we if if i was to measure it where we were i would probably say at least it was probably like five a bit more than five on the richter scale and the japanese have a different scale we can look at that in a minute i don't i don't see what they they said but the um yeah it was enough to wobble the building and um it was enough to cause a tsunami and fires it was like a mini mini uh Tokau earthquake in 2011 um up on that peninsula on the west coast of uh of japan 
And um, yeah, I'd, I was just like, oh, you know, these these things can strike out the blue. And um, so, you know, the doc just took a day or two off just to, uh, it's, it's New Year's holidays, right? And so uh, I just spent time, well, I spent time with family. That uh, just blazed around. <laughs> Thinking about me uh, decaying cartilage and me turning back to dust and hoping, hoping that the, <laughs> the, the, money shots that i put into the missus are gonna gonna uh strike forward into eternity and have kids i literally had to have a discussion with my uh eight-year-old just about um he was like what if we don't want children and i was like well it's your duty to have children what are you, what are you on about <laughs> get it get it get it young man and um my wife is saying, well, you don't, you do, you do what you want. I'm like, oi, hang on a minute. Where's, where's this, where's this defeatist attitude coming from? And, uh, I was, and so he was like, well, you know, what if, what if I'm, uh, and he didn't even give the reason. He's just like, I don't want to, I don't want to have children. Um, I'm like, well, it's, uh, then God will be, that's what, that's what God is good for. Right. Just that you need some authority that's above daddy. Right, that even dad is afraid of, and uh, the kids get it. Right? Where um, you you can't uh, you, if daddy's daddy's frightened, then uh, they, the kids should probably be frightened. And uh, you know, it's just odd. I don't know. I I don't remember. I don't remember much from that age. Now, it's just sort of I don't know. If I stretch back into the memory banks, there's it's all sort of mangled up could i tell precisely when i was eight years old um i suppose if i was looking at world events i could correlate it i guess but yeah a lot of water's gone under the bridge and uh the uh the soviet menace is back uh <laughs> apparently and the uh, the specter of nuclear war is is above us or upon us i should say and well all manner of war probably and in this in this scenario, what does what does that war look like? And I I'm guessing it just it, it it'll come down to the the computation, right? And what 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 is the sophistication and the ability to automate automate out next next level control? mechanisms i guess would be the way to think about it and you know that may include um well you've got to harvest up all those uh all those prion fields that they may have uh catalyzed into existence uh oh, it's the question has that been done deliberately or not i don't know man that's one i keep i keep wrestling with and i just have to i have to at this moment in time just have to say that they knew what they were doing and the the simple fact is that they got most of you and uh, how that plays out. I do not know. I, I don't. This is uh, un, untrammeled territory as far as I'm concerned. And look, I can sort of look at myself and think, ah, you know, I'm on, you know, I didn't get vaccinated. I got, I certainly had a run in with SARS. And now my time is spent um, like trying to balance uh, chronic pain versus trying to be active and do something and 
curling up on bed and uh, just oh god please uh, let me let me uh, close the day on this reality engine and <laughs> start again um talking of war did you see the paper that spark has linked to um you know what i was i was scrolling through my twitter feed as i was doing this and it was like i'm like oh i've got to Go back and look at that because it was like some 2024 projection and what have you. And um, look, you're, you're all about to get, oh, you've been getting a lesson in what that, oh, excuse, excuse me whilst I put on my general's jacket and what have you. And uh, don't regale you with uh, tales from the battlefield of vanquishing the enemy. My uh, my decades of, of war experience fighting in the trenches. I was uh, giving the boss what for on the end of me buying it. Um, but I think, I think we've, you know, I, I grew up, like I say, very much, <laughs> I would sit there mortified as my father would tell me about, um, nuclear weapons and, um, biological weapons and all, all that type of malarkey. And, um, it would, it sounded, it sounded terrifying. I re I remember having, you know, nightmares as a child about nuclear missiles, right? And I, I mean, I must have been probably about eight years old where I can have a very vivid memory of, of sort of stepping outside my grandmother's front door and there being, I don't know, it was like a levitating missile, but I, in my brain it was a, a nuclear missile of some form. And um, it was, it was a deeply unsettling one. It was a very, very vivid um, dream, I remember. And... Um, I wasn't prone to nightmares. I can remember a few peak ones growing up, and um, you know, um, it was always good. Always good to uh, <laughs> go see your father, who would then whisper in your ear, tell you, uh, tell you about his days uh, fighting the wars and uh, <laughs> bolting on the atomic weapons to uh, go and take out those nasty rooskies that were coming our way. <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. Yeah, Commander Rixie in the chat. Uh, good to see you, bro. Um, but yeah, I I should probably take a look at it. Maybe that's a good uh, Commander Rixie stream to do. Um, let's see. I think it looks like sophisticated AI manipulating minds across the digital domain, not only from foreign state actors, but your own state, only states, but also corporate interests and rogue AI researcher trolls. It also look like haplotype centric weapons unleashed on your own population. Additional wars you take on losses. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would, um, you would have to expect that, right? It's, it's within the probability matrix that we're, um, we're trying to navigate. And, you know, what a, if, the, uh, if the higher order math is correct about retro, retro causality, et cetera, and um, the, well, there just being this deeper, deeper layer to reality that, yeah, we don't, um, we're still feeling our way through it, et cetera. Um, yeah, it could be like that. So, uh, <laughs> let's see, just catch up on the chat real quick. Um, glad the earthquake didn't get me. Um, yeah, <laughs> there are many, there were many hoping that it did, but, uh, <laughs> ah, it was, a, it was a piker compared to, uh, when I got here with the first one. Oh God, that was, uh. I don't. I don't even think I've been here a year. Probably, cl probably close to. Uh, it would have been. Well, 
nine months. I want to say it was about nine months. From sort of application and then being in Japan. I mean, I'd got, I'd got a monkey trained by that point. And so it's more, and I had to build a whole bunch of shit from scratch. So, yeah, nine, nine, nine months, I want to say. Yeah, because I remember it. I rem- yeah, I remember that day. Because the monkey just, like, he'd, he'd got the stupid little task that we had doing. I didn't, I didn't like, there are people that just overcomplicate stuff that they're trying to get the monkey to do, etc. And eh, didn't need that for what we were doing. And I remember he sort of, slap the button with sort of confidence <laughs> it's like whack i want it give me i'm fucking dying of first and and i was sort of we were sort of congratulating each other <laughs> me and me asking in the lab and then uh it it just fucking slammed us man and that the strength where we were was the strength that hit that peninsula Right, and we got hit around. It was like about seven and a half on the Richter scale for that Hokkaido um, earthquake, and that made everything jump and fucking shake and rattle. And um, yeah, we didn't run. <laughs> there was no earthquake warning either. Um, but hmm. please be kind to your monkey. Um, I was always kind to the monkey. Um, yeah, I've got to uh, balance out the karma somehow. And, um, you know, I would I would do everything humanly possible for those poor little blighters. Probably too much, but I got too attached to them. All right. So, um, yeah, what are we, we going to do today? So um, there's been a paper that's sort of um, doing, doing the rounds. It came... Well, I'm not sure when it must have come out this week, I guess, but um, it sort of it lit, it lit everything up, which was um, a look at translation errors and um, misfolding. And so let's do this. And um, yeah, the misfolds coming to a town near you. And yeah, you're all, it, it's happening all the time anyway. The, the problem is how how do we handle how do we handle these uh, protease-resistant, lysosome-resistant lysosome um, peptides that just boom, they they go around and spread everywhere and are super resistant? We we barely know, and uh, that's where I want to go. But uh, we will, of course, do housekeeping. Uh, the docs got to eat, so uh, if you've wandered in here wondering who I am, that's me. Oh, the H index has uh, <laughs> gone up. Nice. Um, the uh, I am or was uh, Mucho's competent systems neuroscientist, and then I got pulled into uh, this ah, this this game. And um, hang on one second. So, uh, yes, sorry, just uh, just saw Charles had Skyped me as well. I wanted to just answer that real quick. Um, there's a degree of urgency to it. 
Um, but uh, yes, uh, as a systems neuroscientist, I was uh, very uh, mutuous concerned about uh, the amyloidogenic potential of SARS. It was um, obvious to me from early contact that that was a uh, that was uh, just tuned a bit too tight for my liking, and I you know I I was suspicious that the Chinese had fucked up in the lab. Um, it's not beyond um, the realm of possibility that that happens, right? It, it happens in labs across uh, across the world. We know we've had leaks of SARS around uh, just in, in the last four years, right? And we are, we're just trying to navigate that space. And so what, what I do now is read papers and try to find out if my initial premises were correct or not. Have I do I need to make an error correction to my hyper or my um, cognitive cognitive framework and space, if you like. And um, so far, so far, I have to say the doc has been pretty much on the money, and um, I'm I'm just doing that by um, following data. Now sometimes it means. I can be wrong. You know, if I had to think of the bigger mistake, I, I, I would say, well, I don't think it's a mistake as much, but it was um, cautionary principle with respect to masks. When we, when we found out what we're dealing with is uber resistant and a mask is no, nothing beyond a um, temporary stopgap whilst you're trying to figure out what it was, what it is that we're dealing with. And I still think we're trying to figure out what it is that we're dealing with. But um, I, I can remember, if I think back now, um, just looking at Japanese data, right? So we, we could see SARS erupting and Japan was doing great. <laughs> if I can remember it so well. And, you know, in unison, man, the whole country just fucking massed up like crazy. Still does. I see people even nowadays, that in any other country, you would think, oh, uh, how absurd. But people driving their cars, masked, etc., and kids are still masked at schools, um, less so now, I would say. But, um, you know, there's, there's a limit to what you can do with respect to a bit of paper in front of your face versus, I don't know, uh, mass, um, mass investment. Hang on one second. Up there, um, mass investment in air recycling and uh, what have you. So, look, <laughs> the simple fact is this leg spells, uh, you've either all been exposed to prion catalyzing agents or been uh, injected with it. Now, in that scenario, um, prions at the immune barriers. Right. So I was thinking about this the other day. So, you know, the what's happening when you're getting all blocked up and you're um, you're spelling uh, mucus and uh, you're, what what you're doing is you're secreting and sloughing off cells that are, are potentially damaged or infected. And, you know, we we have a pretty good prior to the pandemic we sort of understood that perhaps viruses were involved with um 
neurodegenerative disorders. It, you know, was it definitive? No, we've certainly, certainly learned a whole bunch more in the preceding four years, I, I would say. And, but your, your, your main defense at, the, at, at your borders, so at your, um, your lungs or your intestines, is to have rapid um, shedding of uh, your epithelial lining, and then that would carry away any, uh, any exposure that you would otherwise pick up naturally. Right? And of course, you're going to accrue some during a lifetime. We found out that H1N1, somewhere along its peptide, can catalyze um, prion proteins. And so that's a reasonable explanation as to why we see um, spontaneous uh, Kreutzfeldt Yakov, um, not just spontaneous, maybe it's, uh, it interacts with familial as well. But um, are we seeing new forms of? Uh, protein misfolding disorders. We're seeing people being diagnosed with CJD. And I saw Charles tag me, and I'd seen it before today, with some, I don't know, I'm going to say it was in his 40s or early 50s. Got taken out with Kreutzfeldt. I have many, many people who tell me that, oh, my God, I, I, my brother-in-law, my sister, my mother, my father got taken out with a, uh, their dementia just got worse, et cetera, and they got taken out. And yeah, that's um, it's somewhat to be expected. Even, even, um, even uh, prior to the pandemic, we would think that, that you know, um, disease sweeping through a population, of course, would take out the weakest. But now, now I think we may be in different, a different territory altogether, and that's where um, we have mass exposure. So you could say, well, previously, if if if, if influenza, sorry, if influenza is causing um, prion-like disorders, and we've got relatively solid evidence to say that it's catalyzing um, the prion protein itself. Well, th there's a, it's it's a sort of semi-random process as to who's developing what and when and how that's contaminating your environment. Whereas now, what we've gone and done is we've taken a known prion-catalyzing epitope and boom, we've just blanketed the human race in the, in the industrial parts of the planet um, multiple times. And who knows? Who knows what that looks like? And, you know, there's, there's only going to be so long that you can, or I can sit here saying, well, you know, is it, is it going to be, isn't it going to be, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be doing this uh, forever and a day. That's for sure. Um, I enjoy it. Maybe I, maybe I can uh, turn my, uh, <laughs> my insightful wit and uh, analysis to other topics. but. Uh, I doubt. I doubt you can teach this old dog new tricks. Um, uh, let's see. What's this? Um, hi all. Just watched Anna Barker interview. Two hours plus one. This jab seems to destroy all barriers. Um, yeah, yeah. But the the viral peptide does that as well, and that's the difference. And so, but it's the amount of exposure and where you get it which is why i think this paper is going to be interesting 
just scanning the abstract. I haven't read it. And um, what we're going to learn is that um, prions can afflict every organ system. And now everyone has essentially been, you know, what, what was, everyone was at different stages. And, you know, we would hope that there would be new generations coming through and that they would pick up our burden as we became frail and uh, neurodegenerative and uh, would stand there shouting at uh, invisible passers by that they would. Um, carry us off <laughs> as we turn to dust. And um, let's see, Arne, Arne Burkhardt was a good man, for sure. He stepped, he stepped into the fight when he didn't have to, and it was not like he didn't have enough on his plate at his age to deal with. I know, I, I know this just from his personal circumstances. And he did it, and he did it in a way that was um, repeatable and he he didn't hang back to let the uh, the institutions dictate to him what was going to be shown to the public which is essentially why I'm doing what I'm doing which is try to reach you know I don't know I mean if I can maintain this size audience it means there are enough people getting past censorship that want to find out what's going on right so um it if I've achieved that, then that's uh, that's a good um, a good goal. And I don't know I don't know how I would be with um, unbridled attention and essentially well the the temptation becomes to um, to sell out and not be as scientifically objective as I would um, would like to. So. Um, See, it looks like this. I think it's probably going to be more like 2050, though, instead of 2025. Yeah, like I say, the if on well, I don't, I, I'm looking at world events, and in, in my lifetime, I don't think I've ever seen anything that is so encompassing in terms of instability across the northern hemisphere. I mean, there's not much happens in the southern hemisphere um, beyond barbecues, but the or just <laughs> just South American um, communist uh, <laughs> banana republic revolutions. The but if if what we saw was the sh first shots fired in what would I pre presume be something at least on on a scale of the second world war and i think we must be at that stage by now for sure in terms of casualties the russian if kirillov says it so it must be so um and so someone in that strategic planning if you want to call it strategy says okay well we've got this weapon um we may as well use it and then they know that they're going to be heading to this point and i don't i don't know maybe there maybe there's some sort of um un type council which basically hands over to like skynet or something like that because they i don't know they get convinced that human beings um can't can't handle the complexity anymore i, I, I don't know what that looks like but in in the run-up to that in the conflicts the proxy wars that they realize that well we have this weapon we may as well use it use it or lose it 
it's been deployed and they're well I, I you've got to think whether they were capable of looking at every consequence etc and I, I i think it would be impossible to do that i don't know would it we, we are <laughs> in some ways very very predictable um this is an event no living being has ever experienced um yeah yeah the jab gets give us 50 times spike versus a normal infection yeah i'm not so sure about that 50 times number to tell the truth charles um there are studies which have looked at the spike concentrations and it's variable so and i do have the i have it linked in my slaughter how to slaughter mutton post the paper which paper it is and i don't know we just think that it's variable and this peptide is out there that basically is a persistent toxin or poison as it were and this is why the um you know they they allowed someone like oh, i've forgotten his name now chiropractor ardis go on about pepti uh, snake venoms conotoxins and we had you know and he sort of emerges on the scene talking about remdesivir and how his father got taken out by remdesivir and he starts making all these connections to um serpents and the devil and oh it was a right fucking uh mind job on people but the the simple fact is that though there are those peptides out there and if the if the spike protein itself is well we we know it's um it's not protease resistant like prions so it, it would break down but then what are the epitopes like how persistent are they and then how much do they feed back in to our sort of ecological niche to to push us towards this incapacitated neurodegenerative state so that um you can be harvested and your um hard hard gotten or ill gotten for many <laughs> gains will get will get taken away from you by uh some it's like the those fish diagrams you see right and there's one fish swallowing another and then there's another one bigger one behind it etc and that's why i'm ever conscious about what i've done don't <laughs> monkeys i've got on my back um but enough talking about me i need to get on with the stream continue with the uh, housekeeping and of course remind everyone that um i only do this stream because i'm supported by the public science for the public by the public so you get my uh i don't know for, some people seem to find it useful otherwise i wouldn't be uh wouldn't be sat here doing this I'd say different people shed and uptake injected prions differently. Yeah, yeah, of course you're going to have that difference. You, you're always any complex system. It's not it's not binary, and some people are going to be more susceptible than others. And um, again, we don't know what that looks like. But the, the the simple fact is now, you know, I I would I'd sort of plan to look at the the patent landscape for what they're 
what they have up their sleeve with, you know, what's their countermeasure for um, prions, right? If, if they've found a way of mass catalyzing them, whoever, whoever pulled that trigger thinks that they have some protection. And I was going to spend more of this week just sort of going down the, um, the, the countermeasures that you could be taken. And I think it's, it's not, I don't want to be sitting here saying this is a uh, council of despair. There's fuck all you can do. You may as well, uh, you may as well just dig your pit and uh, climb in it and cover yourself over with rocks and dirt. No, I'm, I don't want to do that. I, I think there are ways that you can stave off because that's what we see already to some degree. And um, biology would, would find a way, which is, which is why the, perhaps the super prion hypothesis, and it's, you know, it's, been, it's out there it's not my hypothesis um is uh, it, it's just a bottleneck for for our biology and i would make the presumption that we some somewhere somehow there's the uh the resilience within the the biological tapestry that is humans to um to get through to adapt and overcome so uh, let's see. I tagged Claire Taylor on one of your prion streams, the one I broke up. She says she hopes not. Her account is locked since yesterday, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I've noticed as well? Um, I just can't make anything about prions now with, um, what's it called? Dali on um, ChatGPT. And any sort of combination with protein misfolding, prions and what did I, I called this something like kill shot so i could have i could have a week ago two weeks ago i could have easily put in there make a composition about prions and sniper shooting or something to emphasize kill shot you cannot put anything in there about prions or misfolding someone someone please confirm that for me but i'm i'm finding that um that issue And um, even, even well, what did I get today? I, I managed to make it do something approximating uh, what I wanted by saying, show me a firework spitting out peptides. <laughs> that was about as close, as close as I could get to it, it giving me anything approximating um, <laughs> highly kinetic uh, misfolded um, peptides that I, I wanted. So uh, I'm rabbiting on too much, aren't I? And, but anyway, feed the coon, that big blue button behind my head where it says uh, donate via your usury cards or PayPal, Patreon, buy me a coffee, subscribe star, et cetera, et cetera. You can join our Discord or Gilded Chat. And um, please, please, please uh, register to be notified. Uh, that button there. And uh, we can circumvent, circumvent the sensors and you can watch me of course on the site it streams from there no need to sign in no need to give your uh, precious precious digital data over to big tech um i i will take that burden away from you and uh, then of course i don't sit on that uh money like a dragon or you know who and uh, we're trying we're trying to build out systems and uh here's our um, it's all, all turned green now um, I, I do prefer the green and uh, we 
are live like this. We have server architecture. We're building and hosting, and you can stream on there. Please, please use it. Use it. Upload shit. And uh, what have we in the? Uh, <laughs> what's on the homepage? What's recent? Um, recently added. Let's see. The effect of uh, centralized exchanges delisting Monero talk. Um, Orwell's here now. He's living large. Okay. <laughs> what are these? <laughs> Thundercat. Okay. Ah. <laughs> uh, Andrew Kaufman. One of the reasons that I ended up doing what I'm doing now, just watching a pillock like him go around trying to explain science to people and him getting artificially boosted by these networks. No viruses. Well, why, why would you want a no virus type of idea to get out there? Because you don't want people to look at your uh, weapons programs. You don't want people to be able to put into the search engine things like, uh, you know, <laughs> prions and bioweapons, etc., and make uh, Samizdat type literature. Um, to go down today look it's um there's lots on there um please uh <laughs> try to use it folks and if it's useful then it means i'm useful and it means i can keep doing this uh let's see roller Podger says ai is a weapon to further stifle uh, memorization and cognitive abilities for cell phones we all memorized important phone numbers before gps we all knew our local patch and street names chat gpt is just another node in the weapon systems array um yeah, I am. I would be inclined to agree with you, but it's it's a double-edged sword in that respect. And you're able to do a whole bunch more by subsuming to um, automated networks, right? And in effect, you could argue that um, it frees up uh, precious processing power such that you can move towards uh, consciousness. And, you know, our degree of... Um, self-awareness etc is ah it, 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 it can ebb and flow somewhat right and you know the more you can automate stuff then the in theory the more time you should be able to uh to, to put into well what, what would i honing the mind and if you're young enough um honing the body so that you'll reproduce uh, reproductively successful um Fox says, oh yeah, please upload your favorite, most impactful short clips from the stream to WTYL. Yes, do it. All right. So um, people asking me about the earthquake, um, just to remind everyone. So uh, I'm around the middle of the country here. And yeah, we were, we were basically yeah, four, four on the Japanese scale. And um, yeah, it was like a, like I say, I was, I'll repeat myself, but yes, it was, uh, it, it was a exciting last couple of days, I should say, particularly if you lived on the West Coast of Japan. And um, the, the Japanese are still somewhat traumatized by 2011. There's still a whole, I say like 20,000 people unaccounted for. And in a, what do you say? OCD like culture like the Japanese they like to know where everything is and what they're doing at any particular time and 
the fact that they can't account for 20,000 people probably means that they, the, the sea monster came up and sucked them out into the, uh, into the Pacific Ocean. So, uh, yes, uh, we'll get, get that out of the way. I've done, a, I've done all the preamble. But anyway, one of the headlines that I had um, stored away was record number of excess deaths amid NHS strikes. And the, well, we, we can look here and we can see United Kingdom right now, eh, it's about 5% excess death. It's been like, like that for, oh, it won't let me hover across the, the line completely. But anyway, there's, there's Japan. Um, we only have data up till October, I want to say. And no, not October. Is it October? August, I want to say. Yeah, August. And this trend of sustained all cause mortality is it's something that isn't just, you can't just blame it on the NHS being on strike. It's across too many countries and it's too persistent. And it's, um, <laughs> it's what you would want if you were going for the, uh, how should we say, attrition. Attrition so that people were barely noticing and they would just go back to uh, <laughs> just watching fucking pornos and fantasizing about uh, cars and, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know what chicks fantasize about. I said, <laughs> Prince Charming on a, on a horse. I'm very trad that way, but... <laughs> Just, I, can, I know what dudes are doing when they're uh, when they're just uh, not not doing their job. They're thinking about chicks whacking off, or uh, <laughs> what the, how can how can they uh, soup up their car to get more chicks and uh, <laughs> so feed the cycle of whacking off and cooming. Right. So let's see. I do agree. In some respects, people are using Chat GPT to do their code without learning the fundamentals. It's foolish. Um, is it? I don't know, man, because who learns machine code nowadays? No one, right? It's kind of like we've, we've done it and we, you don't think about these lower order processes very much, not unless you really, really need to use them. And so I, I don't see an issue with um, people being able, if, if the code is functional and it works, then I, I, I get it. You don't want you don't want you don't want to just do that for your nuclear reactors. But I don't know if you if the kids trying to learn Arduino. I think it's uh, it's a uh, it's a great thing. And then the code is made for them, and then they can look at it and try to understand it, and it can be explained to them why that why that line is there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I don't I'm I'm not as black pilled about tech per se. I'm blackpilled about the motivations of the people that have postured um, it prior to these, during these events as they kicked off. And they're a bunch of nerdy wells. And we, we, we should, if, and it seems likely in my estimation that there are some people responsible, we should bloody well hold them accountable, is what I say. But anyway, the ex excess death is uh, with us. And with that, I want to, oh, didn't I even load the paper up? That would, that would be me. So transcript errors, meaning the translation of your genetic material as it's spat out into its mRNA form and the, um, the dogma that it goes and forms 
proteins from what's encoded in those those messages and so transcript errors generate a continuous stream of amyloid and prion like proteins in human cells well yes we would we would expect this but how persistent are these amyloidogenic peptides and i guess we're going to find out in this uh in this paper um people university of southern california so i'm hoping it's going to be up to some standards at least it's not chinese so aging is characterized by the accumulation of amyloid and prion-like proteins well, i've been explaining this for a long long time now however the molecular mechanisms me mechanisms by which these proteins arise remain unclear here we demonstrate that transcript errors generate amyloid and prion-like proteins in a wide variety of human cell types, including stem cells, brain organoids, and fully differentiated neurons. Intriguingly, some of these proteins are identical to proteins previously implicated in familial cases of amyloid diseases, raising the possibility that both familial and non-familial cases are caused by identical mutant proteins. And remember, in this instance, we're talking about a post-translational pathology. Okay. Oi, Saddam, back in your box. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not dependent on, well, familial um, disorders are, right? We, we make the presumption that we can see the, uh, the missense in their genomes and it's basically going to be translated incorrectly this leads to an aggregation of these error prone peptides and the disease state emerges and um, but for most of us most of us that are not uh, subject to the really really devastating um prion like diseases the uh <laughs> your we we make the presumption that the body is able to somehow deal with them on a moment-to-moment -moment basis and um, sequester them and basically get rid of them. Now, some we know should be subject to sort of lysosomal, I, I should be just doing the papers. Let the paper speak right now, talk again, not you gassing on all the time. Right, so intriguingly, some of these proteins are identical to proteins where I did that. Uh, however, transcript errors also generate amyloid proteins that have not been observed before, suggesting that aging cells are exposed to a second class of pathogenic proteins we are currently unaware of. Well, I think that someone was aware of them. I do. And they tried to fire and aim at that mechanism. This is why, this is why the papers are just catching up right now. Finally, we show that the transcript errors are readily generated by DNA damage, a hallmark of human aging, and a staple of multiple proteotoxic diseases, including Alzheimer's disease. Together, these observations greatly expand our understanding of mutagenesis in human aging and disease and suggest a new mechanism by which amyloid diseases can develop. This all sounds very, very fascinating. I haven't read the paper yet. I'll just give my first impressions. So, but from the, uh, the the abstract it's it's coherent and cogent and um very much along the lines of where my mind was at so keep, keep that in mind uh, 
este... Perfectly okay to lose efficiency in this ability. It's no longer that useful. Not sure what that means, but I see we were having a conversation. But I do get this, but we're in a transitional state, and you do often need to tweak the output. A similar pattern plays out with heavily relying on frameworks and not knowing how to do things outside its standard capability or know how to debug issues within itself. Well, yeah, that's, this is true, but I mean, how many, how many people can take off a, the head of an engine and replace the head gasket? Whereas I can remember all sorts, <laughs> there would be people, when I was a lad, there would be uh, all manner of... <laughs> beat up old cars in various states of uh, disassembly, lining the streets of the uh, council estate. And, but most dudes know, knew how to sort of, and you can go back and look at those engines and they look so simple and basic, right? But for, for people back then, a fucking solenoid was magic, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of gone too far, right? A modern car where they're not really geared for um, the the handy handy tinkerer type. You, ca it's a job to just say, "Oh, where where the fuck is the head and the head gasket in most cars these days?" And so there's there's this I don't know happy medium between where things become uber complex. I mean, look. Your computer, right? It's like you're not repairing much on a computer these days, right? It's a, unless you can see a blown out capacitor and the the board is worth, I don't know, I don't know. I was just, I'll give you an example. I wanted, so I was talking the other day about 3D Vision, NVIDIA 3D Vision. It's just not supported anymore, but it was actually a pretty cool tech with direct 3D games and just getting depth perception in a screen. And so those motherboards now that would run that tech and um just do it on the uh, without having to tinker around with it are actually in my mind are quite valuable now just because that tech is so um i was so cool at the time and i tried to i tried to show it to my well i just don't have the it means a whole bunch of rearranging to try and get a set of glasses to work with a, a monitor and i ah, can't be asked right now there was earthquakes and the weather oh, the world turned into shit <laughs> in the meantime so anyway let's get back to uh, this paper uh, protein aggregation is a defining hallmark of human aging and disease a molecular level Protein aggregates are formed by misfolded proteins that form amorphous protein deposits, self-assemble into large, neatly organized amyloid fibers. These aggregates play an important role in various neurodegenerative diseases, including Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, and Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. Yes, this is true. However, they also contribute to the functional decline associated with normal aging and the pathology of a wide variety of other age-related diseases, including cancer, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, diabetes, heart disease, and cataracts, coming to a family member near you soon. In familial cases of amyloid disease, patients tend to carry a single point mutation that dramatically increases the amyloid propensity of the affected protein. However, why proteins misfold and aggregate in non-familial cases of amyloid diseases remains unclear. 
One long-standing hypothesis is that non-familial cases of these diseases, amyloid proteins, are generated by epimutations, non-genetic mutations that are only present in transcripts. For example, if a mistake was made during RNA synthesis or RNA editing, a small cache of mutant proteins would be generated that could display amyloid or prion-like behavior. Although their initial number would be small, amyloid and prion-like proteins are defined by their ability to replicate themselves by binding to wild-type proteins through strong, non-covalent interactions and converting them to an amyloid state. Through this self-templating mechanism, a small cache of mutant proteins could rapidly grow in size and number and eventually seed the amyloid fibers that characterize aging cells. Yes, this is true. However, transcript errors are exceedingly difficult to detect, which has made it difficult to test this hypothesis in a comprehensive manner. To solve this problem, oh, this is an interesting bit, we recently optimized a new RNA sequencing tool termed circle sequencing, okay, which allows for high fidelity sequencing of mRNA molecules. Here we use circle sequencing to demonstrate, so <laughs> immediately that should ring bells around uh, plasmids. Uh, where were we? Oh, lost my lost my place. And there they haven't double spaced this deck. The poor doc's eyes are struggling. Yeah, did I uh make bigger? Thank you. No doubt we're gonna have to swap between some figures. I bet I bet this is <laughs> I bet the I've uh, left it till nearly well, three o'clock in the morning. Let's just see. <laughs> yeah. Uh Yeah. Maybe figures aren't too complex, but yeah, there's a lot of S8, <laughs> S9. Okay. Um, yeah, figure 11. <laughs> there's a lot of figures in this paper. Uh, the doc might be taking a couple of chunks out of this one. Uh, just a couple of bites, I mean. Um, <laughs> But just let's get let's get back to this. It's uh, it sounds fascinating. All right, so circle high fidelity use circle sequencing. Yes, and they use circle sequencing to demonstrate that transcript errors are ubiquitous in human cells, and that they indeed result in proteins with amyloid and prion-like properties. We support these observations with a variety of cellular, biochemical, and biophysical experiments that demonstrate that the proteins generated by these errors can successfully convert wild-type proteins to an amyloid state, just as I've been telling you and warning you for the last four years, which then self-assemble into neatly organized amyloid fibers. Finally, we show that the amount of mutant proteins required to initiate large-scale protein aggregation is routinely breached as a result of DNA damage, a ubiquitous hallmark of aging cells. As a result, our experiments establish a direct mechanistic link between DNA damage and protein aggregation, two of the major hallmarks of human aging and age-related diseases, including Alzheimer's disease. In doing so, our experiments redefine the role of mutagenesis in human aging and disease and suggest a new mechanism by which amyloid and prion diseases can develop. And, you know, it, it's, it's easy to conceptualize and talk about these um, processes like I do. There's, the skill is designing an experiment to and execute it in a way that's convincing to, to convince other people. Now, 
the immediate issue that I would take in the current circumstances that we find ourselves is that, okay, they've, they've identified this new layer of which disease can emerge, right? So it's independent of, it's not independent because they're talking about, well, you get the DNA damage and it's, it's more tricky than that. But basically it's saying that amyloids can occur at any, at any stage and they're going to be causing this buildup and it would i would argue that they're going to show that they it, it's going to be rate limited to how the body is able to deal with these degree or, or, or with this saturation of its toxin clearing capabilities and that is what they were targeting with biowarfare research guarantee you all right results so i better imagine do this that this this the need figures right so Oh, it's going to be hard on me eyes. Yeah. <laughs> make those uh, make those alerts ring out. <laughs> is there a limit to how much I can zoom out? Oh, God, look at that. <laughs> I, I will not get glasses, God damn it. I'd rather sit here with those. Um, Pinhole readers <laughs> get glasses. All right, uh, let's go down to figure one. And all right, so here's figure one. And uh, we have and this one. And is it going to allow me to do independent? Thank you. All right, so to test whether transcript errors give rise to amyloid or prion-like proteins, we probe the transcriptome of H1 human embryonic stem cells brain organoids, neurons with CIRC-seq, uh, their circular DNA, a massively parallel sequencing approach that uses consensus sequencing to enable high-fidelity RNA sequencing. Oof. <laughs> they, they are moving a uh, clip, that's for sure. The brain organoids and neurons we sequenced were generated directly from H1 uh, ESCs, figure S2, the genetic background between these models was consistent and the result can be compared to each other. Um, wait, so they've cloned the embryonic stem cells. Is that right? Um, you know, there is that window where they're allowed to do that. I can't remember how many days it is or weeks, but. Mm. All right. Oh, finding myself in this text is going to be a nightmare. So the genetic background between these models was consistent and the results could be compared to each other. In addition, we sequenced the H1 ESEs of 300 times coverage to generate a custom-made reference genome and ensure that single nucleotide polymorphisms, oh, polymorphisms again, or low-level mutations could be excluded from downstream analysis. 
In total, these sequencing efforts yielded 160,000 transcript errors that affected 11,000 genes across all three models. Um, <laughs> that's a lot of fucking errors, man. Um, okay. So we can see that some some uh, base pairing is more susceptible to error rates. Okay, okay, okay. So we hypothesize that transcription errors could give rise to amyloid and prionic proteins. This relatively small cache of mutant proteins. Yeah, damn it. Then form. Uh, proteins can form an amyloid seed that recruits wild type proteins, converts them to an amyloid state to generate large amyloid fibers. Yeah, okay. Transcriptions of errors were identified across the genome. Yeah. C to D, the error rate and spectrum of H1 human embryonic stem cells, brain organoids, and human neur neurons is nearly identical. Error bars indicate standard error. Now we see. So, it to you, and then. There's like three in a subset, H1ESC. Okay. So some some base pair pairings are more unstable than others. That kind of makes sense. Okay. We then use two approaches to determine if the errors we have detected result in amyloid or prion-like proteins: literature-based approach and a bioinformatic approach. In our literature-based approach. We focused on 70 proteins that are directly implicated in various amyloid and prion diseases, including uh, PRNP, CJD, and Gersman Strausler Schinke syndrome, amyloid, ileal amyloid, or no, these are the proteins. Oh, that's uh, prion, um, <laughs> the PRNP gene, okay, uh, amyloid, uh, the SOD one, which is. Uh, Superoxide dismutase uh, and fus fus. But anyway, all all peptides, very very important peptides. Uh, let's see, fus amyotrophic lateral sclerosis and transithrin amyloidosis. And if you if people have been paying attention, the transithrin amyloidosis diseases they're taking a swing out of or taking a swing at in the last few years. And if people remember. As the pandemic sort of broke, they rushed through a bunch of uh, treatments for amyloid-like disorders based on antibodies. And yeah, um, whether they work or not is another um, another issue. So over the past three decades, thousands of mutations have been identified in these proteins that cause familial cases of proteinopathies. In most cases, these mutations greatly increase the amyloid and prion-like potential of the affected proteins. We reasoned that if transcript errors generate identical mutant proteins, they are likely to generate amyloid and prion-like proteins as well. To test this idea, we cross-referenced the errors we detected with various databases that catalogue catalog germline mutations implicated in amyloid diseases, including ClinVar and the Human Genome Mutation Database. 
Of the 1,936 errors that affected amyloid and prion-like proteins, we identified 38 errors that give rise to mutant proteins previously seen in the clinic. For example, two of the errors we detected generate mutant versions of the SOD1 and FUS protein, both of which were previously identified in familial cases of ALS. While another error generated a mutant version of the human prion protein that causes gersman straussler schenker syndrome. Other errors generated pathological versions of amyloidogenic transithrin amyloidosis, CSTB, progressive myoclonic epilepsy, and there's a beauty, uh, TGFBI, corneal dystrophy, APP, uh, Alzheimer's disease, CRYGD, corylliform cataracts, TP53, cancer, medin, 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 natural aging, and tuber 1A, tubulinopathies, and others. In addition, we identified seven errors that affect key amino acids directly implicated in disease, although they mutated them to a different residue compared to the clinic. For example, one of these errors generates a mutant version of the prion protein that closely resembles a PRMB valine 210 to whatever, read that I, mutation, known to be one of the most common causes of familial CJD. Both alanine and isoleucine are allopathic amino acids. Similar errors were present in transcripts that encode APP, DSTB, HNR, MPA1, inclusion body myopathy with uh, frontotemporal dementia. Man, there's so many. <laughs> You're all fucked. I swear. <laughs> oh, we're all fucked, I should say. Um, uh, where were we? What was the last one I read? Inclusion body myopathy. Yeah, okay. TGFBI. Oh, thank God. TGFBI. Uh, TP53, TTR, and 10 other proteins. A substantial portion of these errors is likely to affect the amyloid and prion like behavior of these proteins as well. To confirm that the errors we identified through our literature based approach indeed result in proteins with amyloid behavior, we selected two candidates for follow up experiments. One of these errors generates a mutant version of SOD1 while the second error generates a mutant version of BUS. These mutant proteins were previously identified in familial cases of ALS. We expressed these proteins in primary human fibroblasts, HEC-293 cells and glioblastoma cells by lentiviral transfection. Yeah, I imagine that. Mm. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, what have they done? And then image them by confocal microscopy. Consistent with the idea that transcription errors generate mutant proteins that display amyloid behavior, we found that both SOD1, G142E, and FUS R521H aggregated in all three cell types, while the wild-type proteins did not. In addition, we found that mutant SOD1 and FUS proteins were mislocalized. While wild-type FUS is predominantly present in the nucleus, where it aids RNA splicing, gene expression, and DNA repair. Ah, oh, this is hard to read. <laughs> Mutant protein, but you know what? If you just, we haven't, well, they are table one. Okay, <laughs> go, I'll put the, uh, put the link in the chat for, Ah, 
and uh, of course, bloody Adobe. I should fucking disable this stupid thing, but it just somehow, somehow, every time the computer updates, Adobe creeps back in. Those fuckers. Um, let me just see if I can find where I put that. Scene. Um, Florida Surgeon General gives notice. Florida State Surgeon General calls for halt in the use of COVID-19. Thank you, Doc Tech. Um, yeah, a few people had sent me that. Um, look. It's done. They've, they've, they've done, they've taken their shot. And the more people that got exposed to it and keep getting exposed to these um, disease pathways now, um, well, the more full you, I would argue. Ah, not more full you. <laughs> it's good. Uh, when someone's pulling that type of weapon on you. Um, but it's, it's too late. <laughs> It's too late. It's done. Job is done. And they've probably mass mass exposed people like they did with SV40 um, in the polio vaccines. And how to undo it would be the question now. And um, I don't know. And I, well, it's not that I don't know. Um, I think it's going to be a multifaceted approach that you take to put the brakes on. I can tell you this. Again, I've, it's not... I know just from being in the field that there's nothing, nothing that stops this process. It's just a matter of slowing down. That's all. That's all you can do. And any of the model systems where they say, oh, look, we're going to we're going to license this small molecule. Those model systems will still die um, early compared to wild type. So. Um, in this case, you know, stop, stop exposing yourself artificially to prions and um, think about how, how we would slow them down. And the, uh, that's, why, that's why I take Joaquin's input now. He's, he's, the, he's the phytochemical um, expert as far as I'm concerned. And... Um, <laughs> it's like guzzling methylene blue Kool-Aid at Jonestown Sermon. <laughs> uh, PDF left window close. Yeah, good idea, Alberto. Thank you. Um, well, I'm I'm just oh, let's just see what. So they've got a table and they've looked at their. Um, enzymes, they're looking at uh, superoxide dismutase and FUS, and then they're looking at um, aggregation and tagging with antibodies. And then this is what I'm interested in, Q and R. So wild-type SOD1 does not form fibers under TEM, but SOD1 G142E does. And uh, how, how clear is that to be? there right so it's this fibrilla formation which is seems to be critical but in my mind i'm not sure that the the pathology is entirely dependent on fibrilla formations i think in some instances that's that would be like the properties of it but in others you know the misfold 
why why do they all have to be um fabrilla and building out these i don't know i've i haven't sort of in my mind that you could still have toxic epitopes and the cascade could still be ongoing and in fact the the fabrilla component may be um may may almost be like a blessing because at least it's sort of sticking in um one spot and it's not it's not sort of going um randomly around the the cell potentially potentially anyway um so yeah we've looked at sod and they're getting the fabrilla okay well we'll go from here so finally we co-express wild type mutant one yeah that's what we've just looked at Da, 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 da. So, well, type fuss was almost always excluded from the nucleus in the presence of fuss. Um, figure two, I to O. They're saying fuss was always in the nucleus, and I'm not. Did I read that right? Wild type fuss was almost always excluded from the nucleus in the presence of fuss R521H and sequestered in cytoplasmic deposits. Yes, although rare exceptions did occur. Consistent with the idea that SOD1 has amyloid properties, transmission electron microscopy demonstrated that mutant SOD1 can form amyloid fibrils. When taken together, these experiments provide an important proof of principle for the idea that transcription errors give rise to amyloid proteins. Moreover, because RNAP2 constantly generates new mRNA molecules inside cells, and transcription by RNAP2 is relatively error-prone. The error rate of transcription is approximately 100-fold higher and the mutation rate yeah and this is this is where you get into the issue with um pseudo uridine as well so we know that that we've we've had this paper that's come out and says oh oh yeah we've frame shifted all your peptides now <laughs> then um and kevin mckernan pointing out that the reads were messy and you get like a smear of expression products that are um we don't know what they're doing right and it's only now in public domain that the science is getting it together to be able to even probe down at this level and they've all they can do at this point is play catch up to clinical experience that says oh these these peptides may be problematic and th this is why you should look at them but there's so many peptides and <laughs> failure points that you could um you could spend all day uh, all day, eternity. I should mean all day. Now that's eternity sometimes. But um, yeah. Anyway, point. Okay. So I, I'm. I'll, we'll just take what they're saying as uh, beyond my sort of commentary as that they've done a good enough job. So we conclude that transcription errors generate a continuous stream of amyloid and prion-like proteins in human cells. So in addition to proteins directly connected to disease, we wondered whether transcription errors errors can also generate mutant proteins whose amyloid properties have not been characterized yet. Aha! Important. So, to test this hypothesis, we used an unbiased bioinformatic approach to analyze the impact of errors on amyloid and prion-like proteins. First, we used 
Amipred, FRL, to analyze the errors that affect amyloid proteins and found that 457 were predicted to increase their amyloid potential. Table 1, S1. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, whatever. All these, um, here's some of the peptides that can go amyloidogenic. This, this would fit with my conceptualization. And there's, how many did they say? 457 that they could identify now. So it's not just SOD1 or prion protein, etc. All, all of these um, potentially could form uh, amyloids. And <clears throat> I don't want to belabor the point, but, you know, they've, they've seeded the environment. This is how you've got to think. They've, they've essentially seeded the environment with, uh, with these amyloids. And some people will, it'll impact one family of prote proteins. And in another group, it'll impact another. And have they, in the, in the dark sciences, have they managed to get to this point? Well, I would say if it's publicly available now, then yeah, they, they likely very did. And so once you know this, then you would know how to, um, how to interact with it, which is, which is why I think the catalysis rates that Nystrom and Hammerstrom have identified are so important. That, that, was a, that was the quickest reaction of all, the one which targeted prion protein. <laughs> but now, now there's a whole bunch that we're not even looking for. We're just so hyper-focused on prions. <laughs> I say, you're all fucked. Right. So, do, 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 do. Uh, oh, this is a nightmare. Go one more. Yeah, let's squeeze that in. Okay. All right. Second, we use uh, Papa to analyze errors. So, so yeah, Papa is like uh, plaque, etc. The um, where you look for. Um, well, it's part of the plaque algorithm, right? And it's just a measure for. Um, like it's almost non the more heterogeneous it is i want to say the, like the less likely it is to misfold i want to say and sort of more more simple repeats and have a higher um black papa score in this instance i'd have to go back and read those papers Anyway, so although the PRMP gene encodes the canonical prion protein in humans, many proteins are now known to contain prion-like domains. Mutations in these domains could greatly increase the prion-like behavior of these proteins in a wide variety of contexts, including proteotoxic diseases. For example, mutations in the prion-like domain of HNR, HNRMPA1 and H. NRNPAB2 increase the amyloid behavior of these proteins and cause multi-system, oh, imagine that, proteinopathies and ALS. By applying this algorithm to our data set, we found that 393 transcript errors are predicted to display increased prion-like behavior. And if you want to indulge yourself or <laughs> punish yourself, you can go and see what all these peptides are. 
Next, we extracted the information from PreonScan, PLAC, and the amyloid protein database to build a comprehensive database of proteins that have the potential to display amyloid and prion-like features. We then cross-referenced this database with the transcription errors we detected to identify errors that are likely to enhance these features. To test the veracity of these predictions, we examined errors that affect the TP53 protein in greater detail. TP53 is an essential tumor suppressor protein involved in DNA repair, transcription, cellular senescence, and apoptosis, and aggregates in 15% of human cancers. The and what do we have? Huh? Cancer, cancer, cancer everywhere. With the bioinformatic tools described above, we identified five transcription errors that are likely to increase the amyloid propensity of TP53. T oh, I'm not going to read them out. Um, when we mapped these mutations onto the crystal structure of TP53, we noticed that the S149F mutation, figure 3A, uh, um, S149, okay. Beta sandwich core, and what can I, can I just, by the look of it, see any major difference to my eyes looking? Yeah, not really. I mean, the orientation of this string of amino acids, but, you know, the thinking is, is that this, core would be where the amyloid amyloid sticks together and i guess if, well, it's just that little bit on the end stopping it aggregating well there's there's this theorem about how how peptides are in this sort of quasi um unpredictable state and it they they can they're not the solid entities that we kind of think that they are and they're, they're constantly jostling and vibrating etc um pick the wrong stream to quit drinking <laughs> yes don't drink guinness they use gmo corn syrup now is that true that's sad what sad fate for guinness to hear me pivoting to phyto in addition to pharma well i've always said you'll need both um but look um there's a reason that they get shunted into pharmacy it's because some are more better than others at, at having an effect right and whether whether the effect you can get can be achieved by one molecule well you know the that's up for debate. But um, look, um, we don't have anything else right now. And, you know, people, people that have, I, I don't know why people just, I, I do know now why people were sending me like methylene blue. And it was because of that dipshit that was going around saying that, well, essentially, that they're looking at clotting or, or blood that's prone to amyloid genic processes and basically saying nanobots taking over and i can't remember her name but she thinks she she well basically she communes with a forty thousand year old caco demon 
<laughs> send me. I don't know if I'm that forty thousand year old caco demon, um, but um, she's she's been, I guess, following what I'm doing, and then she's gone off about um, prions and um, well, methylene blue can be a um, molecule that can go in and inhibit. It. And we saw that well, basically, you'll give yourself avatar brain um, should you do it for any length of time. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or not. Um, I do know that it tends to arrest the uh, the stem cell division, right? So you might have short-term gains or protection, but what that means long-term, um, probably not good for you. Um, maybe, maybe you need like a methylene blue, uh, <laughs> I don't know, uh, whatever, suppository every sort of six months, slow release. <laughs> <laughs> timed release <laughs> all right uh stella emmanuel no no she was some blonde bimbo she was actually pretty fit if i remember correctly and um but yeah she's got a thing about she she communes with a an entity from forty thousand years ago and i'm like right okay <laughs> Can we put the delusions back in the box now, please, sweetheart? <laughs> the, amount, the amount that people got punked by dark field microscopy over the last four years. Uh, I have to, yeah, I tried my very best. I tried my very best to stop that nonsense. I went to the ends of the earth. To do that. <laughs> it's weird those brains turn blue like the stem of a bruised psilocybin mushroom. What a nice fork. But, you know, I don't think industrial dyes are a long-term solution. Should it be part of the regimen? Maybe. Maybe when you're feeling like really down the prions are right on top of you and you <laughs> you may want a uh, uh a dash a dash of methylene blue a congo red with a congo red chaser <laughs> all right we're finding out about this loop uh up here so when we map these mutations onto the crystal structure of TP53, we note that S149F mutation is located in a loop at the edge of TP53 beta sandwich core. Based on its location and the structural change it introduces, we predicted that this mutation may increase the amyloid propensity of the local peptide sequence and enhance the interaction between beta sandwich cores of separate TP53 monomers, thereby leading to the assembly of the extended beta sheet structures that are characteristic of amyloid proteins. Mutations in the loop at the edge of the beta sandwich core of the TTR protein were previously shown to promote amyloid formation for a similar structure-based mechanism. To test this hypothesis, we expressed the core domain uh, 92 to 292 of the wild type and mutant TP53 in bacterial cells and analyze the behavior of these proteins by TEM. Consistent with our predictions, we found that TP53 indeed aggregated into large protein deposits, while wild type TP53 did not. And here we go. We can see the aggregations here. Excuse me. 
and uh, these aggregates displayed Congo red by fringents under polarized light, a strong indicator of amyloid formation, figures 3F to G. We conclude that in addition to amyloid proteins directly implicated in disease, transcription errors also give rise to novel mutant proteins that tend to form amyloid structures. Next, we decided to test if TP53 can convert wild-type TP53 to an amyloid state similar to SOD1, G142E, and FUS R521H. And if so, how much TP53 S149F was required to initiate this process? To answer this question, we added vanishing amounts. <laughs> That's... <laughs> I was kind of hoping for uh, a molar concentration, but we got vanishing amounts of TP53 to wild-type TP53 solution found by TEM that 1% of TP53 was sufficient to initiate the aggregation of the wild-type protein. So 1% of the concentration in what would, whatever their prep is, I'm presuming it's cellular, <laughs> Fuck me, man. Uh, let's see. Charles says the 50 times is my own number. An active infection has an estimated 750 million virions at a time. Pfizer jab, 12 to 50 billion in a jab. Hmm. Yeah, but it's what, what gets out where, I guess. Anyway, I trust your numbers, Charles. You know that. Uh, let's just see. This, I mean, it's fascinating paper, but I've been streaming. It feels like I've been streaming oh, not, for nearly two hours. <laughs> just uh, let's see if anyone's appreciating the doc today, and uh, see if I see if I should continue or pack it in. Go to bed. I'm supposed to. Do, I'm supposed to do a stream with uh, Albert. Uh, eight p.m. Eight p.m. East Coast time, right? So. Um, June. Uh not not enough people to <laughs> see. I know this is a fucking long paper. I spend a week doing this one. Mm. I don't want to lose my uh page. Page does it say? Shouldn't it tell me on here somewhere? Page, please. Uh, we have to go down the document or we've run out of long two maybe the whole bunch where's your discussion gone There is a lot of this is uh, I get that they're trying to they'll they'll receive Muchos uh pushback. It's the the discussion. Yeah, okay. We're getting there. Maybe I'll keep you hanging. I'll do the results. <laughs> I'll fight for the... I know what I think. Um... 
see. Appreciate the doc. He's a hero. <laughs> let the shekels. Yeah, let the shekels rain down on <laughs> on the good doc. Um, let's go back here. We figure free, right? It's free. <laughs> So, so we added vanishing amounts, right? I remember we got to that bit. 1%. We confirm these findings in a dynamic light scattering experiment, free I to K. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly how this light scattering works, to tell the truth. Um, Probably have to be really into the biochem. I could check it out. They doing so be refraction of the light, and then what you 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 make the make the prion form. It's going to change the structure. Refractive index to change, and what it always goes one way. Hmm. Yeah, it's why can't I stick to uh, electron microscopy? Right, so next we decided to test if TP fifty three S one four nine can convert wild type P fifty three to an amyloid state similar to SOD one and fuss and if so how much do you yeah we did that, did that. Um, love this. I, I hate it when they don't. They just make it a block of text. It should be double spaced, and you know the endings of the lines should be sort of shorter and longer. It helps the eyes focus in on a where you need to look in the document. Uh, so, moreover, when we added two percent. TP53 to the wild site solution, we observed a disproportionate increase in TP53 aggregates that can only be explained by mutant-induced aggregation of wild-type proteins. Finally, we used atomic force microscopy to characterize the cross-sealing behavior between wild-type and mutant TP53 further. First, we prepared a seeding solution of TP53 aggregates by sonication and centrifugation, then average Particle size of 0.1 micrometers is determined by multi-angle light scattering and atomic force microscopy. Particles that are 0.1 micrometer in size are roughly equivalent to 800 to 1,000 molecules, a number that could be generated by the translation of one or a few mutant transcripts. Keep that number in mind. 800 to 1,000 molecules, a number that could be generated by the translation of one or a few mutant transcripts. Like I say, the mass exposure, why? Why the insistence? Why the insistence on gene transfection to so or exposure to so many tissues and organ systems? That wasn't by mistake, folks. And you have to consider it in these terms until proven otherwise. <laughs> you're gonna have some street ape like fucking ian copeland try and tell you what science is and isn't and what prions are and aren't holy shit 
Dear, oh dear. When given sufficient incubation time, a 1 to 50 mixture of mutant wild type proteins create deposits that were visible to the naked eye. <laughs> well, given the size of these aggregates, these deposits must be constructed almost exclusively from wild type proteins, the mutant proteins serving as the initial seed. <laughs> oh, now I see why this is got the. Okay. I get it. Uh, to expand on these observations and ensure that this phenomenon is not caused by artifacts like atomic force microscopy sample preparation, which involves drying samples on a mica surface, we developed a new hanging drop method to characterize the seeding process and solution. Bravo. First, we prepared a seeding solution of TP53 particles with an average size of 0.1 micrometers determined by the scattering and atomic force microscopy. Then we set up a four by six screening tray with a one mil reservoir solution that contains the protein buffer and an increasing concentration of sodium chloride. Okay, da, 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 for columns one to six respectively. Finally, we added a 10 microliter wild type TP53 solution, uh, 60 micrometer to a siliconized cover slip and placed a one microliter drop of TP53 seed particles immediately adjacent to it at different concentrations. Over time, the protein drops on the cover slip shrink as a function of the NaCl concentration, gradually increasing the protein concentration. Hmm, clever. We reasoned that if the mutant seed particles displayed amyloid potential, this increasing concentration will eventually trigger the conversion of wild-type proteins to an amyloid state at the drop-drop interface and lead to localized fiber growth. Yeah. Fantastic way of... Hmm. Consistent with this idea, we observed robust growth of TB53 fibers under a light microscope at the wild-type mutant interface. Figure 4C. Yeah, there it is, look. <laughs> wow. What an image. Amazing. Hmm. Wow, look, if that's centimeters. <laughs> that really centimeters? I suppose it is. No, it can't be. Can't be centimeters, surely. Uh, what's F? Scale line is... Is it centimeters? If these fibers show strong bifringence under... Maybe... Micrometers. Yeah, it must be. It must be like a millimeter or something. I don't know. They should... It should give a, what the scale is. That's that's sloppy. 
Oh, it's uh, oh, it's not a ten out of ten paper for me. It's a nine now. I'm not seeing it, and uh, doesn't doesn't matter anyway. They're visible. <laughs> it's not an abstract thing anymore. All right, so. Taken together, these biophysical experiments strongly support the idea that transcription errors create amyloid proteins that can convert wild-type proteins to an amyloid state, which initiates the formation of large amyloid fibers and deposits. In addition, they suggest that a limited number of mutant transcripts is sufficient to initiate this process. For example, if 2% of TP53S149F uh, proteins is sufficient to initiate the aggregation of wild-type TP53, then 2% of TP53 transcripts Carrying the TP53 S149 error would be sufficient to initiate the formation, fiber formation as well. Similar thresholds were seen, were previously observed for other amyloid proteins, and it's been speculated that for prions, there may be no safe dose at all. Wah -wah. With this idea in mind, we decided to test if it is possible for 2% of transcripts to carry the same transcription error. Although this threshold can easily be reached if the number of transcripts generated from a gene is relatively low, less than 100 per cell, it's less clear if the same is true for highly transcribed genes. Interestingly, though, as previously shown that DNA damage can provoke the same mistake by RNA polymerase 2 during multiple rounds of transcription, so that up to 50% of transcripts can carry the same... <laughs> it's just bad news all the way down. Uh, these studies were primarily performed on DNA repair deficient cells, though using a single DNA lesion placed on a plasmid. As a result, it's unclear how well these findings translate to a wild-type genome carefully wrapped in chromatin that is actively surveyed by DNA repair. Well, you just showed that TP53... What? <laughs> uh, yeah, TP53, right? It's, uh, it's, that's your, that's your uh, gene gene monitoring protein right and we spent a whole bunch of streams looking at if if these um cancer guardians could could form prions and it, it the takeaway i had was that they had more flexibility right they were able to they seemed to be able to form prions and then recover somewhat but that was that's just one peptide and we're looking at this vast array that, that they're identifying here and well, right now we have to work under the assumption that essentially the same kinetics are at play right now till proven otherwise <laughs> studies yeah, we did that therefore we designed a new single cell sequencing approach to examine the impact of dna damage and transcriptional mutagenesis. First, we treated mouse neuronal stem cells that were derived from the hippocampus for one hour with MNNG, a powerful mutagen that randomly generates O6-methylguanine adducts. We chose hippocampal stem cells for these experiments because they are directly implicated in amyloid diseases. Yep. Um, this is why we've been focusing on those olfactory circuits. And, you know, this, this scale of fiber formation would rapidly 
fill out a, a neuron and you know, potentially is going to transmit to neighboring neurons very, very quickly, which is why uh, embedding in a coronavirus that gets into the brain and having a prion catalyzing epitope on that breakaway S1 segment, it's so heinous. Then you then you just go and jab it into people left and right. Holy shit. What a terrible document to read. It's a brilliant document, but uh okay, so they're talking about yeah, Alzheimer's. So in addition, we performed these experiments on non-dividing neural stem cells so that the O6 MEG lesions we induced would not be fixed into mutations during DNA replication common mechanism to prevent mutations from confounding transcription error measurements. After MNGG NNG treatment, we provided the cells with fresh medium, let them recover for increasing periods of time. We then, trans we then sequenced the transcriptome of single cells at different time points. Uh, 5B, yeah, okay. Now, to identify transcription errors that occurred in at least 10% of transcripts from a gene, with a minimum of 40 unique transcripts sequenced. These parameters also prevent direct-to-RNA molecules from affecting our measurements, because it is unlikely that this damage will affect the same nucleotide on multiple RNA molecules. We found that MNNG treatment resulted in a greater than 40-fold increase in transcript with identical errors after 16 hours of recovery time. The vast majority of these events, which we labeled pseudo-alleles for their ability to generate wild-type and now my cables are annoying. Mutant transcripts were C to U errors, the most common error induced by O6 MEG lesions. Notably, no increase was detected in G to A errors, which could have occurred if O6 MEG lesions had been fixed into mutations, demonstrating that our experiment was not confounded by conventional mutagenesis. Eh, um, I, I would have to really think about that. Where the, where the flaws would be. But I'll take the word, for instance. Consistent with this idea, we found that G to A errors did arise in dividing cells. In most cases, pseudoalleles gave rise to 10 to 20% of mutant transcripts, greatly exceeding the 2% threshold required for amyloid formation in vitro. Consistent with the idea that the error generated by these pseudoalleles caused protein misfolding and aggregation, we found that treated cells displayed increase in markers for misfolded proteins in prototoxic stress, particularly at time points, at the time point that errors reached their peak. Accordingly, human cells that display error-prone transcription display increased protein aggregation as well. We further note that the number of pseudo-alleles rose over time as more genes were transcribed and were still present 16 hours after exposure indicating that transcriptional mutagenesis is not only abundant after exposure, but also long-lasting, even in cells capable of DNA repair. Interestingly, though, loss of DNA repair is increasing, I think, I think they mean increasingly, implicated in amyloid diseases. Yeah. For example, it was recently reported that the main DNA repair protein for O6-MEG lesions in human cells MGMT is hypermethylated in female patients with Alzheimer's disease, suggesting that in these patients, pseudo-alleles could be present for an extended period of time. 
test this hypothesis, we first confirmed that female Alzheimer dementia patients indeed displayed reduced MGMT expression by Western blots. Five F. I would like to have seen the block. It's not. Yes. I go fishing for Um, well, whatever that, um, what did they call it? MGMT. Consistent with a previous study, males did not display this trend, mimic the impact of reduced MGMT expression on human cells. We deleted the yeast homolog of MGMT, MGT1 in budding yeast, S. cerevisae, arrested them in B1 with alpha mating factor, and then repeated our experiment with MNNG. Similar to human cells, we found that wild-type yeast cells displayed an increase in pseudo-alleles immediately after exposure, which declined after DNA repair, was able to remove these lesions from the genome. However, in the absence of the MGMT homolog, MGT1, the pseudoalleles remained on the genome, causing transcriptional mutagenesis for an extended period of time. These observations confirm our recent findings, which show that MGT1 removes 90% of DNA lesions in a six-hour time span. Goddamn yeasts and their, <laughs> their, well, their stubbornness. <laughs> Oh dear. All right. See so, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm uh, running out of uh, gas. Let's see. Yeah. No one. No one seems that interested. So I'm gonna. I'll wrap up this. We're at the discussion right now. Consistent with the idea these markers are upregulated due to transcript errors, we previously found that yeast cells that displayed error-prone transcription also showed increased markers of prototoxic down. Sorry, prototoxic stress. In contrast, markers associated with translation, which is inhibited in times of prototoxic stress, are downregulated. MGT1 delta cells showed a prolonged response to these markers, consistent with the prolonged presence of pseudoalleles on their genome. Yeah, I mean, I'm not enough of a geneticist and molecular biologist to really conceptualize pseudoalleles. I mean, it's just them being damaged and then reproduced and then they've got to be able to be flipped back yeah i guess it could it's, it's not such a see dank meme says we've been heading into a zombie dystopian horror show for decades now just most people have been living in denial thinking they can vote their way out of it that's right vote harder lick spills <laughs> you'll get there 
In addition to transcription errors, it has been proposed that other molecular mistakes could result in amyloid and prion-like proteins as well, including off-target RNA editing. One of the best-known examples of RNA editing in the animal kingdom is seen in cephalopods, where ADAR1 edits adenine to inosine in a sequence-specific manner, an event that can be monitored by CERC's sequence as A to G errors. If off-target editing indeed results in mutant RNAs, then squid and octopi tissues that express high levels of ADAR1 should display high levels of off-target editing, while tissues that do not express ADAR1 should not. Consistent with this idea, we found that the optic lobe and stellate ganglia of cephalopods, which express high levels of ADAR1, displayed large amounts of off-target editing, while the gills, which expressed low levels of ADR1, did not. These observations suggest that off-target editing is indeed one additional mechanism by which erroneous transcripts can be created. This possibility is particularly important from a medical perspective, as RNA editing tools are increasingly thought of as a new tool to treat symptoms of disease. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> We'll let the next generation try that one out. Similar to our observation in cephalopods, we found that these editors display a substantial amount of off-target editing, whether a guide RNA is present or not. These events resulted in large numbers of rare and common mutant RNAs, suggesting that these editors have the potential to induce protein aggregation in human cells. These observations suggest that all RNA editors designed for clinical purposes should go through rigorous testing prior to use. Yeah, no fucking shit. And that CERC-Seq is a highly sensitive tool to detect these potentially deleterious side effects. Mm. Uh, I, wonder, I wonder how many, <laughs> I wonder where in the decision tree was. Well, we've got CRISPR-Cas9. Fire the biological weapons! And... <laughs> Whatever their RNA editors are. <laughs> Just. <laughs> All right, how long's their discussion? Page in a, page in a bit. Right, to identify the molecular mo mechanisms that underpin human aging and understand how these mechanisms drive age-related pathology, it will be essential to determine how amyloid and prion-like proteins are generated. Here we demonstrate that transcript errors represent one of these mechanisms. Although transcript errors are transient events, amyloid and prion-like proteins are characterized by their ability to replicate themselves by converting a wild-type protein to an amyloid state. Thus, even a transient event like a transcription error could generate enough mutant proteins to trigger this reaction. Yep, yep, yep. One of the most intriguing observations from our experiments is that transcript errors generate mutant proteins that are already known to cause familial cases of amyloid disease. Thus, our experiments raise the remarkable possibility that both genetic and non-genetic cases of amyloid diseases could be caused by identical mutant proteins. Only the mechanism by which they are generated is different. Um, you should cite Dr. McCann, that copy. <laughs> Been shouting at you for four years. Interestingly, it was previously found that aggregates of tau have identical structures in both familial and non-familial cases of Alzheimer's disease, suggesting that they were initiated by identical mutant proteins. Transcription errors also generate amyloid proteins that have not 
being characterized yet. The mutant version of TP53 we examined here is one example of this phenomenon. And if um, the ethical skeptic did a takedown of some a, a, a dude who was trying to show that there's been no raise no rise in cancers and um i've been watching that very closely just to see how um how that went down and i'm i'm going with the ethical skeptic at the moment for digging into that data um I can, i've only got so much bandwidth and so if i can hand off to an expert and uh i'm he uh, ticks all my confirmation biases, then uh, I'm going with him. Um, but you pay for my confirmation biases in this instance. Um, anyway, where were we? Mm -mm -mm. For example, we recently identified a number of additional novel proteins, mutant proteins that seem to have similar features compared to TP53. They do not show. <laughs> we conclude, therefore, that in addition to the mutant proteins already known to play a role in amyloid diseases, transcription errors also generate amyloid proteins that have thus far escaped detection. Yes, yes. However, these proteins are likely to have the same potential to affect cellular protostasis and induce protein aggregation. Our quantitative experiments further show that 1-2% to of TP53 is sufficient to initiate aggregation of wild-type TP53. Remarkably, this threshold is easily breached with the help of DNA damage, a form of cellular stress that has long been associated with protein misfolding diseases. For example, farmers that are exposed to the DNA damaging pesticides rotenone and paraquat have an increased risk for developing Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. While the DNA damaging agent methyl azoxymethanol MAM is suspected of being the pathogenic agent responsible for ALS, Guam, Parkinsonism, dementia complex. Um, I would say, I would hazard the uh, reason it's called ALS, Guam, Parkinson, dementia complex is because a whole bunch of uh, GIs got exposed to whatever MAM is <laughs> way back in the day. We recently discovered that MAM induces pseudo-alleles in mouse neural stem cells as well. Um, finally, DNA damage is a ubiquitous feature of aging cells, the primary risk factor for protein misfolding diseases. Our data and data by others provides a compelling rationale for these observations by demonstrating that DNA damage creates long-lasting pseudo-allele across the genome that give rise to a mixture of wild-type and mutant transcripts. Uh, as a result, 10 to 30% of the transcripts can carry the same transcription error, a ratio that greatly exceeds the amount required to initiate aggregation. Though our experiments focus on pseudoalleles that were created by O6MEG, it should be noted that other forms of DNA damage generate pseudoalleles as well, including oxidative DNA damage, also including bits of DNA that have come from a plasmid wrapped in a lipid, nanopro lipid nanoparticle that have been uh, forced into the bodies of uh, the unwilling and unwitting motherfuckers. Um, thus, other aspects of human aging that are known to produce oxidative damage, including mitochondrial dysfunction and inflammation, could trigger protein aggregation for a similar mechanism. A similar rationale applies to environmental factors such as pollution and lifestyle choices such as smoking. How dare you? God damn it. I hate it when I go to puff on this and the choke 
because uh, I've been wiggling it about so much, trying to mix up my me, uh, me, me juices. <laughs> it, it, I couldn't get a puff. Hang on. Hang on while I start engaging uh, some lifestyle choices. Remarkably, we found that after one treatment of MNNG, approximately one out of every 6,000 guanine bases was converted into a pseudo allele, which is expected to affect one out of 10 genes. Jesus. <laughs> Thus, one exposure to a DNA damaging agent could result in thousands of pseudo alleles emerging across the genome, demonstrating the potential of DNA damage to generate large amounts of identical mutant proteins without the need to induce mutations. The damage itself is sufficient. Consistent with the role for DNA damage and protein misfolding disease, it is now increasingly recognized that loss of DNA repair can exacerbate amyloid diseases as well. For example, DNA repair is thought to play an important role in ALS, and it was recently shown that DNA repair gene MGMT is hypermethylated in female patients with Alzheimer's disease. When we mimicked this phenomenon in yeast, we found that reduced DNA repair allows pseudo-alleles to persist on the genome for extended periods of time, creating vast amounts of mutant proteins and a prolonged presence of markers associated with loss of proteostasis. It has long been known that females are at greater risk of Alzheimer's disease compared to males, and our data suggests that reduced MGMT expression followed by extended transcriptional mutagenesis could help explain this sex-specific difference. It's about time that women took one for a change. It's always dudes on the receiving end of uh, the the genetic uh, genetic receiving end. We've we've done our bit. All you have to do is go and uh, spread your seed. Then you're done. And uh, <laughs> the state can look after you after you spawn. Then we need those mothers though. We've got to. Uh, We've got to fill them full of fructose corn syrup and uh, synthetic estrogens so they uh, attack and debilitate all the other men. That uh, Let's see. Ferdy Fox says, The coin slot on the Jihad jukebox is still open and will be after the stream if your conscience eats at you later. Yes, well said. Thank you, Ferdy Fox. Uh, Jenny says, Thank you for reading the paper. You're more than welcome. Um, I've been uh, slacking in my duties after the after the earthquake. I, I did to keep my family close. Um, anyway, where was I? Um, uh, besides DNA damage, the fidelity of transcription can also be altered by other variables. For example, we previously found that the error rate of transcription increases with age in yeast and flies and is affected by epigenetic markers, cell type, and genetic context. Each of these variables could alter the rate with which amyloid proteins are generated. One important example of this idea was observed in patients with non-familial cases of Alzheimer's disease. In these patients, transcriptions errors occur under dinucleotide peaks, excuse me, in the APP and the UBP gene. Oh, almost close to universal basic income. Two key proteins associated with Alzheimer's disease. These errors generated shortened peptides that were later found to be present in the amyloid plaques that characterize the disease. Hmm, interesting suggesting that they play a key role in pathogenesis. We recently demonstrated that repetitive DNA sequences can increase the error rate of transcription up to a hundredfold in human cells, directly supporting this observation. Moreover, we used a novel mouse model to demonstrate that neurons in the hippocampus are especially prone to making these transcription errors, providing further evidence for a link between transcriptional mutagenesis and Alzheimer's disease. And you can 
carry this over to Parkinson's, all, all those other neurological gems that we have become so acquainted with. And again, you know, we know that there's a, there was a normal attrition rate that we accepted. And that's, we don't know where that base, baseline is now. And if we're to be looking at the, you know, what's, what's giving us the immediate state of the population? Well, the, the graphs are going up and the all-cause mortality is basically hanging around the 10% mark and it's shifting into the young. We've wiped out the elderly already. Now the young are on the receiving end. And it's a combination of um, infection, circulating spike, opportunistic pathogens, all going and attacking and um, degrading the body at this level. And um, again, what's the, what's the solution? What's the solution, Dr. McCann? Maybe, maybe a quick, uh, a quick tipple of uh, methylene blue now and again, now and again, maybe. Um, but I would, I would imagine your best, your best bet is to hone in on the what you can attain from the environment, and that would include food, but also supplementation, etc., and finding the right keys and combinations thereof, which can aid the body in this instance. But it, it may just be that many, many have just been there cellular processes would have been overwhelmed and in critical organ and tissue systems that ah, you can't you know but the mucosal barrier and epithelial barriers are there to sort of slough off and to, to protect the inner inner tissues they can't in places like the heart the brain um ganglia uh, across uh, things like gut um i don't know um, Wherever we're seeing these cancers, lymph lymphoma seems to be a standout one for the moment. Anyway, where was I? Because the primary, finally, it's important to note that it may not be necessary for transcription errors to create highly specific amyloid proteins to promote amyloid diseases. Surprisingly, we found. We previously found that random transcription errors can affect protein aggregation as well. As the primary impact of mistakes in protein coding sequence is protein misfolding, random errors tend to create a cache of misfolded proteins that affect the entire proteome. Although most of these misfolded proteins are benign and do not affect the aggregation of disease-related proteins directly, they do need to be degraded by the same protein quality control machinery. And again, it's what have I been saying. These are rate-limited processes, and some, some of these processes are going to be uh, protease-resistant and also lysosomal-resistant. We looked at the paper where... Um, lysosomal degradation was causing it to splinter and fragment and spread via um, exosomes right so um you know there's it's basically you know your sewer pipe on on your toilet right the drain on your toilet is yay big right <laughs> you know it can handle just about a family of five maybe but you know <laughs> A couple of times a year, Daddy has to get his hands up. 
into the pipes and uh, scoop out scoop out the gunk because it just you're just building up stuff and with older older pipes or, or damaged pipes where the chemistry is off etc um your the build-up will be such that the breakdown processes that are available just get just get saturated and the, the cell would um give in mm. anyway as a result Random errors can create enough misfolded proteins to overwhelm protein control machinery. We did that, which then allows pathological amyloid proteins to evade degradation and seed aggregates, meaning it can make aggregates, seed them out, send them out in little exosomal packaging and send them out to other cells and say, Oi, look what I'm doing over here. And then <laughs> where, he's, where normally under a mechanism like that, it would be, uh, yeah, I'm making this protein. I need to make this. It's essentially sending out um, a poison, poison letter that cells are specifically looking for. So they're going to take them in and they presume they're operating in a generally benign environment, but their next door neighbor has just suddenly <laughs> just took, just their, their, their sewer pipes got backed up. And so they've just took a bucket full and uh, poured it into their living room window. <laughs> That's that's the way I think about it. So thus, transcription errors may not only generate highly specific amyloid and prion-like proteins, as we demonstrate here, they may also generate the very conditions that allow these proteins to evade the protein quality control machinery and initiate aggregation. As I've been saying, as I tried to point out to Copeland in that epic stream where I slapped down these fuckers who were trying to tell you that prions were not a concern. They are very much a concern until proven otherwise right now. They have seeded everyone. And it's not surprising. There's, what's this paper is telling you that, well, expect cancers. Expect neurodegeneration. Expect degradation of the organism. Sustained. Unrelenting. That's, that explains what we're seeing right now. In my mind, it means we can hold some feckers responsible. All right. Um, let's see. Johnny says solution chlorine dioxide or methylene blue with supplementation of pure nicotinic acid. Dropping nuggets here, folks. There's, there's only, again, there's only so much you can do in these circumstances. And again, after, you've got to remember as well that these prions uh building up in the environment now and so it doesn't it doesn't matter i would say well <laughs> the exposure is there and it's gonna it's gonna be amplified compared to what it was that we as a civilization or species lived with previously and perhaps we're going through a super prion funnel bottleneck as it were and Again, what, what does that look like? Probably very much what we're looking at right now. And the, um, oh, oh, nearly 194 watching. There is on Rumble. Um, that's cool. And what else? They're easily over. Oh, mm, mm, yeah, 225, 230 uh, people. Um, as I've been saying, I hate to be the one saying it, but it's not like I've I've tried to hide this information away. It's not like I've been um, 
tardy with respect to trying to get up and talk about what this data means and what it means from and like i say i had to look at it through a neuroscience lens but to me the implications for other biology was very much there right from the beginning and you know that's why i always point at daphne monkey which showed that that amyloidogenic process was extensive throughout the body and it was only because we knew what we were looking at etc that we did the investigations and you know amyloidosis is not just above the neck it's below and this is why we talk about systemic amyloidosis etc etc so um italian doing plumber work in japan super mario has come full circle <laughs> touche bro uh, all right so i'll check the chat um did you see JC say you were on team worst case scenario? But JC is just a backstabbing dimwit and you can basically disregard any of the information that spews forth from that nonsense machine. What is it? What has he been doing for the last four years when we could have been trying to focus in on this particular problem? That's, that's all I've got to say about him. Like the fact that you're, You could have someone so numbskull riddled with stupidity that they didn't understand this biology. It's such an integral component of trying to understand neuroscience these days. It's, it's impossible in my mind that you could traverse the neuroscience terrain, for want of a better expression, and not come, come into contact with the idea of prion. It, it just blows my mind. And anyone with an ounce of fucking, I don't know what, just um, intrigue. I want to learn well, something, something, something that would have these properties below the, the level at which we understand life to sort of replicate itself, that you could have these proteins changing in such a way that they could they could be so so detrimental and impactful on the biology and what is he doing <laughs> taking the people that have literally tried to be warning from day dot that this is problematic and pulling them down and working in the back and just being a right judas fucking creepy asshole basically um, anyway, Pfizer Cancer Biotech was selling their mRNA vaccines as anti cancer treatments, which never works. So, Pfizer Biotech selling anti cancer stuff is just going back to their original grift. Yes. Um, let's see. Charles, hope you're getting some traction with Republican Gertz and other politicians who attended the January 1st space. It's hard to listen when they look at what you say with a blank face of indifference. Mm. Yeah. Sad to have skin flaps, Jane Ruby, come on before you as well, berating everyone in a rant on the border while she spun venomous graphene nanosquids for three years on a trailer park podcast. Yep, 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 yep. And it was, look, they knew what they were doing. They knew how to turn up the volume and turn people like me, they, what I would say down. And, you know, so I, I've run into the censorship wall only so many times before I can, yeah, you only have to punch me in the face a few times before I realize I'm in a fight. And so then, I don't know, you do this um, shtick that I'm doing now. 
I guess. And it, that was the way that I could keep coming back and doing this stuff, which was just take the piss out of stuff because no one was going to listen about the science in this instance. And I've, it's not just me, there's other people as well. But at least, at least I could say, look, I've got credentials. I can talk to what this biology does. And we've got, I've got it in a monkey, right? Outside of anywhere within like the clinical environments. And it, it could come in it, and it, the people should have been able to listen to that and pick up there. And look, if there's at, at this stage, four years in, and I'm breaking that 150 um, number for people that are listening right now, and you've just had it here. Thus, transcription errors may not only generate highly specific amyloid and prion-like proteins, as we demonstrate here, they may also generate the very conditions that allow these proteins to evade the protein quality control machinery and initiate aggregation. What do they say? 1% thereabout of concentration within their sort of control um, setups is enough, is enough to start that process. And when you think, okay, well, you know, there's, there's going to be a... Um, ebb and flow to that as your body um, goes through stresses and um, growth spurts and all, all sorts. And, but now that whole dynamic has been turned on its head in, in a way that is, well, it's difficult, it's difficult for me. I can't, it's, I know what a burden of like one, what, uh, what it was prior to the pandemic, what a burden it was on, on the neurology department to see the, uh, the scale of neurological disorders, that, how that would, how much time it would take per patient, et cetera. And it, literally the hospitals are doing a cost benefit analysis, but there's only so much we can do, et cetera, et cetera. And they, we'll, we'll just make them comfortable from now on. And it's probably why you've seen moves towards making things like that dystopian, uh, what's it, made in Canada? And, you know, why Why they probably thought, well, we'll just get ahead of the curve and we'll dish out the midazolam and morphine. They knew, for sure that they knew in this instance. And they're not talking about it. Look, you can't type prion and anything into chat GPT and say, generate me an image beyond the most basic of combinations. They knew and they're trying and they've done very successfully maintain the, uh, the flow of information. And retrospect beyond, beyond me, even if, even if I reached, it's not like we didn't reach the tippy top of any of the hierarchies that we have around us with respect to these narrative networks, be it institutional or, I don't know, alternative media, etc., to the very political structures that we thought were there to, to protect our interests somewhat. It didn't matter. What, what were Senator Johnson's words? There are forces behind what's happening that we can barely... We can barely comprehend. So what, what would it have meant? I could, I could point to what you were dealing with. I could think of some, some interventions to make. And I'm, I'm doing my best at the moment to figure out what could be idea or, or solutions that would make sense from a, just from intervention. Just what, why, 
what can we do with respect to this type of cascade, how to sequester, all, all these types of, how to degrade, etc. And, um, and so I'm going to try and do that. So, uh, that, um, come by good doggy this. Um, what is this paper? What's this paper? Rolling back on Rumble doesn't work. Oh, did I not? Did I not do that on Rumble? Did I not set? Well, maybe I didn't. Sorry. Um, I did that. Forty thousand years is nothing when you go out of time dimensions. Yeah. <laughs> blue balls due to all hoes being vaxxed and blue brain because they shed on you at the store. What way to go? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you know, as interventions, um, there may be like the little blue pill may be a way to go right now. And, you know, they, I, I don't know this, but I've been told that if one of the signs of taking too much Viagra is that your vision turns blue. Apparently, I don't know. But, um, you know, but Viagra and the, those dilators maybe one of those countermeasures which you could think about taking and again i don't know whether you want to be doing that all the time how did like can you mix it with like hyperbaric therapy etc just to try to get oxygen in and um but then you know you're speeding up the respiration and then that's just going to precipitate more protein misfolding and it could, could just be a vicious circle at this point um okay so um, Yes, I agree about letting the shekels rain down upon me. Um, scientists have known for more than three years that the main entry point for SARS-CoV-2 virus into the body is the ACE2 receptor. A team in Italy has now identified another receptor called RAGE. Oh, I've known about RAGE for a long time. Present on the surface of certain human immune cells which combine to SARS-CoV-2 and allow it to enter cells, altering their function and leading to a worse prognosis. The research is a collaboration between Antonella Viola's group. Yeah, yeah, we know about RAGE. Um, let's see. Thanks, Knuckle. I was pissed when Ruby popped up and tried to derail the convoy. Charles, I hope you pimp slap that bitch down so hard that she's still picking her false teeth out the bushes. Um, let's see. Cell turns into a factory. Um, imagine that's the link to the paper. Can we all agree to call the TP53P53 the guardian of the genome, please? Um, I think we do anyway. So amyloids are seen as growing like crystals or fibers. Yes. Um, I was looking at the P53 downstream effect on the P21 enzymes. What a mess. But Makui says prions aren't real, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fucking dipstick. Um, thanks for reading it. I won't look it up, but for reference, where is it from? It's on BioArchive. Oh, so I've got the link here. Copy link, and I'll put it in there. This will put it three times. So, say, ah, I've lost all the... I've lost all the chat. Uh, well, I can rescue this.
Um, Kevin, do you think prions from wild infection are as oncogenic as those from the vats? Same as. <laughs> it's just the the molecular, but it's just distribution more than anything. And how how quickly this is why I spoke about you know why what what what's the immune system doing at those barriers? It's the infection is coming in and your the body is sort of and that's why you get mucusy is the body is trying to um take those cells and lift them away so that you expel them as um mucus right um uh, post on my feed with 4chan meme garbage and you will be blocked um hang on i like my 4chan memes what's the matter with you <laughs> Careful there, uh, Christy. Um, see, the grift snake oil will hold. Um, not sure what that means. Like I say, I've got um, broken up chat now, so I don't know. I hear they give you fentanyl now, not morphine. Probably, because it would just be cheaper. Um... Wait, who am I supposed to pimp slap? That stupid slag ruby skin flaps. I would uh, see fluorescent blue spider silk plasmids. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, and like I say, why is why is there that spiridon? anti-sense i don't i don't think that's a mistake man i really don't uh let's see this I'm going to read that out again. The coin slot on the Jihad jukebox is still open and will be after the stream if your conscious eats at you later. Um, yes, uh, I do like this meme by Good Doggy. <laughs> you are the key to my immortality. Right. Um, and having seen dementia up close a few times, I'll take rapid onset lead poisoning. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want brain rot. I don't want to die either, so. Would reducing environmental prions mean moving to a small rural town and living like a semi-hermit on locally produced and grown food? Can you easily test for prions in meat? Um, well, that would be the way. So you need 
isolation from large aggregation. So basically, any urban environment is essentially a prion kill box now. And where the outflow from those urban environments are, you can essentially think of as um, contaminated now. Beaches. Um, Um, I mean, like trash, garbage, refills, just where people traverse all the time. Um, until we, until we can, and like I say, the the nice thing about this paper is it's been saying what I'm saying, which is we we we've barely scratched the surface on the potential for which amyloids could be at play, and we know in this instance that oh the prion protein catalyzer is on that essentially fragmentation part of the peptide, right? It goes through the infective cycle. S1 segment is cleaved. It essentially goes around and starts the um, catalytic process. But then if they've put that one in, and this is how you must think at the moment. If there's that one, then you've got to start looking for what else would be in there and where it where it could be having these interactions. And it doesn't it doesn't seem well. What was what was the probability space like? Ten ten to the I want to say it was like seventeen minus or ten to the power of seventeen. I want to think twenty three seventeen. I think possible combinations for 20 amino acids the 20 amino acids that we know were there with at least in the first pass and og wuhan strain and vaccines and then how how many more could potentially be um fit into lengths shorter or longer etc and that's there are people who are just good at doing that type of stuff. Um, uh, let's see. Charles says, I was given morphine in hospital three days ago, not not fentanyl. Wow. So you're part of 1%, Commander Rixie. You get only the best. Um, can you easily test for prions in meat? Um, well, you could. It's not easy, though. You need you need the cyclic amplification techniques for, for quick for quick testing, but um, very few are going to have that. And by definition, those those facilities are essentially you consider them toxic, like radioactive um, dumps, waste fields, whatever you call the. Um, where we store radioactive waste. Um, so I don't, I don't know how much the, how widespread that would get, because you would be concentrating samples coming in, right? And so, where's where? How how secure is that pathway from where the sample is being aggregated from? And so right now we're looking at chronic wasting disease. And yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't be my surprise for them to say, oh, it's a fucking that chronic wasting disease got out of hand. That's what's done it. Um Doc, what do you think about hyperbaric oxygen chamber for fighting off prions? 
um, I think generally they're a good idea for health. The issue you have around the prion is that it, you would be speeding up metabolism and so, not speeding up, but the, um, your metabolism would, well, I don't know, you could think about it in some ways it could speed it up and in others, slow it down. And, um, generally i would be in favor of oxygen therapies um I, you know it's one of those sort of fundamental um interventions that you could make and uh, yeah um if you've got access to it i would say do it um the I am unvaxxed. I've followed you for two years. Some of your ideas helped me recover from long COVID. Well, thank you, Kimberly. Yeah, like I said, I'm an advocate for oxygen. Um, you just, the more steps in manufacturing, the more chance of exposure at this point. And I would, again, the same prescription applies. And, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm, good. I'm just going to work through what's available on the public databases with molecules that have been shown to maybe help. And you know, we can laugh about avatar brain, um, but they may be, you know, what, what's going to be available to you in a situation where you're looking at the buildup of The breakdown of what we've what we were used to. So stretch supply trains, etc. Look what's happening around the Red Sea. Um, potential standoffs with Iran and China and whoever's whoever's going to slug it out for the Eurasian um, landmass. Um, be be aware that the famine that you probably my my fear is that the famine that we're going to walk into is not so much food. But it's it's the technical things, the medications. So all those people that are dependent on very long, complex supply chains are going to be um, in for a rough time in the, in the coming months to years. Um, comfort care fentanyl is shite. Give me the good stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, look, if you tap in my vein for uh, um, end-of-life care, I would like a nice, uh, nice opiate ketamine mix, and um, you can throw in uh, throw in a benzodiazepine that I haven't haven't been exposed to recently. I w I want to be carried away on a uh, on a velvety. <laughs> you can put in some cannabinoids, anything, anything. You think oh, that make them feel good. All right, um, let's just see if anyone is not ZK26R right now. Um, I have to say, I'm uh, incredibly disappointed so far. And I am still disappointed, but I'd like to say thanks to Gaza, VM, and Vex. Uh, much, much appreciated. Of course, I get it. It's um, <laughs> Everyone's fucking squeezed after uh, Christmas and New Year. But... Um, uh, I'll you feed me. I'll keep fighting for you as long as I can. All right, I've got to take a break because I'm gonna um, stream with Albert. I hope. Um, 
I don't know if I, I don't know if I'll make that one or not. I'll just send him uh, a message. But um, I was expecting it to be tomorrow in my mind. But anyway, um, that's it. I'm out of here. That is, uh, let's see, nearly three hours of streaming. Right. Take care. God bless. And uh, don't let the prions bite. Bro, you don't know how angry I am. You do, I'm like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that little line, I would be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these peppers. I will fucking kill each fucking pepper. I swear. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually saying. Fuck these peppers. No fucking... Guy. So, technically, I'm down to turn it. Let's go! 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 Let